0: This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Lawrence Gowan of Sticks, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey there, this is John Oates, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Welcome to episode 362 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 362, we are joined by one half of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame duo, Daryl Hall and John Oates. We are joined by John Oates, who will be coming into Pittsburgh to do a show, a very intimate show at the Club Cafe on January 15th. Uh, tickets still available. For that, uh, John will be releasing an album in February called Arkansas, which is a tribute to one of his musical idols we talk about in the interview, uh, Mississippi John Hurt, who was a uh, kind of a country blues musician who uh, died in 1966. Uh, as John talks about, it, he had a chance to see him perform uh, in person, uh, made quite an impression. And uh, Mississippi John Hurt's songs have been recorded by uh, you know, the likes of Bob Dylan, Jerry Garcia, Sia, Taj Mahal, uh, and so forth. So um, a man who really had a great impact on the history of rock and roll uh, and popular music. So without further ado, we're going to play a song from John Oates' new album, Arkansas. The song is called Stack Lee, and we're going to talk to John Oates.
2: Oh, police officer, now how can that be? You can't arrest everybody, but you afraid of Lee. He's a bad man old Ability line told Stagley, now please don't take my life. I got three children and darling lovely wife. you a bad man. Cool old I don't care about your children. I don't care about your wife, no. But you done stole my Stetson hat now. I'm gonna take your life. I'm a big man. Mm-hmm. I boom, a boom, when that four, standing shot Billy the line down upon a bottle floor. Now he's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Well, the judge said to the jury, hey boys, what are you going to think of that? Lee shot Billy the line about a five dollar stress He's a bad man. Cool old staggerly.
1: We have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member John Oates on the line. How you doing, John? I'm um, well. How about you? Doing great this morning. Um, want to talk to you specifically about the new album Arkansas that you've got coming out. Um, had a chance to listen to it this morning. Um, really, really enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me of. You know something you might hear a group of guys getting together on their back porch making, um, not as far as recording quality I don't want to slight that, but uh, the types of songs, the music, uh, the honesty in the in the record. Can you talk a little bit about how that collection of songs and, and how this kind of changing your sound, so to speak, uh, came to be?
0: Well, you know, uh, first of all, I you know I started out as a folkie and a blues musician long before I met Daryl uh, Hall, and uh, so this is kind of a return really to, okay. to the stuff that I that kind of made me who I am as a musician, uh, as a kid. Um, what happened was I, you know, I've been a big fan, and, and uh, one of my musical heroes has always been Mississippi John Hurt. So I decided, uh, you know, I just wanted to make a record that was a tribute to him. And I went into the studio, began to record some classic Mississippi John Hurt songs with just an acoustic guitar and my voice, uh, you know, in the traditional way. Um, and I, I kind, of, kind of felt like I, I, I fell short in... in, in 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 that it it's already been done uh, probably done better you know than I'll ever do it and certainly the original versions are always going to be better so but I didn't want to abandon the idea and so I sat back and thought about it for a second I said well you know what's missing in this this project well what's missing is the songs are great but my performance is not really cutting cutting it so I said, what if I put together a band and play these songs, which have always been traditionally associated with just a single voice and a single guitar? What if I have a band reimagine these songs? And uh, I assembled this incredible band, uh, you know, with people like Sam Bush and Russ Paul and Guthrie Trapp and all these amazing uh, musicians and uh, went into the studio as, a, as an experiment. And from the very first track we cut, with this incredible band. my I looked at my engineer and, and he looked at me and went wow. And I said yeah. I said this is something different and it's special and there's magic here. Um, and that's how it started. So um, from that point on we just uh, you know I was full steam ahead you know I put my head down and we just recorded everything and we recorded it live to tape. Um, I sang live, played live, There was hardly any overdubs on this entire album. In fact I don't think there are any. So, what you hear on this record is exactly what happened uh, in the recording studio.
1: Now, was was this how much time, you know, when you assemble this group of musicians versus when you uh, try to cut these literally solo, um, did you spend, you know, arranging? Did you talk about, you know, here's what I want the mandolin to do during the song, here's what I want the pedal steel to do? Or do you just kind of, hey, like, guys, let's do this song and see how it comes out on the other end?
0: It was very collaborative, um, but at the same time it was I, I, I directed it as best I could. I had a, once I heard the sound and once we recorded one track, I knew that, that there was something special going on. But at the same time, the, the musicians I chose, I, I chose them for a reason because I knew that their sensitivity, their ability to listen, uh, and their skill at, the, at their instruments was really on an extremely high level. So when you assemble a, a group of musicians like that, you don't want to hamstring them by direct, overly directing them. But at the same time, uh, you know, I was like, uh, I was kind of like the musical traffic cop. Mm-hmm. In other words, I kept the, I kept the, I kept all the traffic going in the right direction, but I didn't tell everybody how to drive. Let's put it that way. Yeah.
1: Right, which is, is the great thing to do, you know, let let the musicians who are, you know, skilled at their instruments do their thing, but, you know, you've got to be responsible to make sure that you're not clashing, and, you know, that's yeah. certainly...
0: and there was a wide variety of songs, so I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure there was a coherency between the Delta Blues, the Ragtime, the Swing, you know, stuff that was, you know, and then what what began to emerge, the, the album was really kind of this thing that just constantly evolved and constantly grew. Um it started out as Mississippi John Hurt, but then what I started to do was, I thought, I need, this is sounding so amazing, I wanna broaden out the concept of the record. And so I thought, what songs were contemporary with his earliest recordings? Now he recorded uh, for a very brief period of time in the late 1920s, from about 26 till 29. Um, and um, I thought to myself, Okay, let me let me paint let, let's paint a musical picture of the type of music that was being played on the earliest phonograph records that were really that people could hear and what actually really formed the foundation of American popular music. Mm-hmm. And so I I did some research and I and I found out the songs that he actually liked. He was a big fan of Jimmy Rogers, so I chose that that classic Jimmy Rogers song "Miss the Mississippi and You." Um, he was also. Uh, he, he kind of had a ragtime finger-picking style, so I went and did a Blind Blake song, and Blind Blake is pretty much acknowledged as one of the, 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 the best, you know, or if not the, the most influential, ragtime guitar picker uh, of that era. Um, you know. So I, I kind of approached the record like that, and then, of course, I wrote two original songs that I thought would really kind of, in a way, move the record into the future and tie it together with where I'm at now, personally, but... Also, there was one song called "Dig Back Deep," where I literally the title of the song says it all it's I, I'm describing what I'm doing on the record mm-hmm. I'm digging back deep into the past into my earliest influences so those two originals I thought were were appropriate for the record
1: now as a guitarist uh, um, did this kind of stretch the boundaries you're playing or how did you you know incorporate their styles while making it John oates? Uh,
0: well, I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the glue. I'm the Mississippi John Hurt glue on this record. Meaning, most of the guitar parts that I'm playing are really right out of the Mississippi John Hurt songbook. I am literally playing exactly the way he played. Um, I had the good fortune of meeting him, hanging out with him, seeing him, you know, playing, watching him play in, in my friend's living room in Philadelphia in the late '60s. Um, so. I have a first-hand experience with this music, and it's not something I just learned from a record or learned from a you know a book. Um, so I was I'm being pretty pretty uh, pretty faithful to the original styles, but it's the accompaniment that's surrounding what I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, it, that's that makes it unique. So uh, and then of course you know there are some you know original things I'm doing as well, but, but when it to- comes to the, to my my role in this record was to be the, uh, the the kind of traditional center to the record
1: mm-hmm. now uh, th- th- in addition to you know this type of music, I mean do you consider yourself kind of a student of, of a lot of the like the early American rock and blues and and such or is this just kind of a particular interest this particular you know John Hurd?
0: Well, in the last, you know, I mean, my, you know, moving to Nashville about ten years ago, I, I began to get much, very much involved in the Americana genre of, of music. Mm-hmm. The, the players, the people who are involved in it, have become my friends, and it's really where my sweet spot is in terms of my solo work. Um, but w- what I began to do, I began to get, be really become fascinated with the earliest days of American popular song, and I began to relate it to my my own life. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I've made my entire my entire career is based on making hit records. Mm-hmm. That's you know it's what I've always done. It's what's made me you know who I am in in a certain way. But I said you know I don't really know a lot about the earliest days of American hit records. Mm-hmm. Uh, the invention of the phonograph uh, coincided with the music that I'm making on this record, and it all began to, to make sense. It all it was like this jigsaw puzzle that all came together. I thought okay, here all of a sudden Americans. Can for the first time have a have a machine that will play music in their home, which was very unusual uh, for people because prior to that you had to go out to hear someone play. You couldn't just um, you, that was the only way you could hear music, or else someone had to perform it in your living room. Right. So I, I began to think, okay, what 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 were the earliest um, hit records? One of, one of the ones that I found was uh, a song by Emmett Miller called Anytime. Uh, so I included that in the in the in the album, and I thought to myself, so this is the the record now. The album has become not only a tribute to Mississippi John Hurt, but a celebration of of the earliest days of American popular music.
1: When you look back at some of these songs that were, you know, you know, popular American songs, and you look at you know obviously you and daryl had kind of the minus touch for for many years in creating some of the, you know the soundtrack to many people's lives do you see commonalities in in maybe the song structure or things like that 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 you know to you when you listen to it says you know this is what's going to be a hit or this might be you know call it an album track if you if you want but uh, do you see similarities at all in the structure
0: well, uh, you know, I, I, I see, if you're talking about the musical structure of the song itself, right? Um, yes and no, uh, the, the, the popular song format, the, the format for a popular song has changed. For instance, you know, if you really want to get musically technical, when you go back into the 1920s and the 1930s and you listen to music like the music that I put on this record or Cole Porter or, or, stuff, or George Gershwin, who were, you know, Irving Berlin, who were the popular songwriters of the time. Their songs weren't really um, formatted in the same way that uh, a lot of popular songs uh, later evolved into. For instance, the concept of a verse and a chorus and a bridge was much more of a convention of of, uh, of the 1950s, 60s, and mm. 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, now popular songwriting has evolved even past that. Now, the concept of, of m- like modern popular songs, when you take modern pop songs or... Or hip hop, or whatever it might be, um, really almost the the concept of a verse is gone. There is no verse. It's just a series of hooks right. that are are kind of somehow uh, you know fabricate fabric uh, you know stitched together in in artful ways at at its best. So the, going back to the uh, you know the earlier days, there was no the, what what we call a verse on a, on a popular song was actually the intro to popular songs in the 1920s they did these verses they they called it a verse but it was actually a a a portion of the song that would only appear in the beginning and you never heard it again and that they called the verse so it was interesting how how the the pop how the the actual um structure of a popular song has evolved
1: yeah it certainly has now you're going to be doing a, a show in in pittsburgh and you're traveling all around the country doing these shows um in some very intimate venues um Now you have reached, you know, kind of the highest of the highs in the popular music world and been involved in some amazing live things. Can you talk about the intimacy of getting back, you know, in some of these smaller venues and having, you know, the audience feed away how that how that feels?
0: well it it's, it''s it's what this music deserves it 's the best way for me to communicate this this music and tell these stories, which I tell a lot of stories i I, I try to put these songs into context basically the conversation we 're having right now is what I intersperse into the show mm-hmm. uh, because i I try to let people under try to help people understand the context of this music and when they understand the context of the music, the music takes on a completely different um, it's perceived in a completely different way. So uh, that's part of why I'm in these smaller venues. I just think it's, and I enjoy it. I really do. It feels like a living room. Uh, You know, I get to interact. You know, it's very, very intimate. And I have this incredible group of musicians that I play with, guys that are on the record. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm bringing a smaller version of what's on the record, more of a trio concept. Mm -hmm. But the players are my good friends. We've been playing together for years, and we have this... uh, we have you know a telepathic relationship, and and we do spontaneous things, and uh, and the, the you know the playing is off the charts, and so that's what I love. It's just it's pure musicianship. It's real. It's raw, and it's it. There's no hiding when, when we do these shows. I mean, it's all. I mean, if you like good music and you like great players, that's what this show is about.
1: Yeah, and it's it's fun to listen to musicians when they do these types of. of uh tours sometimes it's almost like a, a battery recharging you know you know in the yep, world of yep. you know arena shows and stadium shows with the lights and the pyro and video screens sometimes it's nice to strip all that away and you know a stool and a microphone you know that's a it's a wonderful way well to that's right i
0: mean and i am doing those shows with daryl you know we're doing mm-hmm. these giant arena shows uh, in fact we're coming back again in late spring Uh, back to pittsburgh with a giant arena show with as you said video screens and lights and the whole bit so this is the yeah this is the antidote to the arena shows for me this is the way i kind of get back to reality and go okay man put your feet back on the ground here um and i love it to be honest with you
1: yeah and that's great to hear Um, john i want to thank you so much for your time this morning Uh, again the show is on the 15th at the club cafe in pittsburgh uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you and daryl at some point in 2018 with the big bombastic show but we want to thank you so much for your time
0: thank you man appreciate it all right
1: a big thank you to john oates for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to talk to us again he will be in pittsburgh on january 15th to do a show at club cafe uh, and then you can look for the new album arkansas to be available february 2nd uh that will be available uh, you can pre-order now if you go to john uh, there's a pledge music campaign you can get autographed copies of the cd his autobiography which came out in 2017 vinyl copies t-shirts uh, all kinds of great stuff from john oates uh, really a pleasure talking to him uh, kind of a mysterious guy i think most of us have, have been you know known his name for a long time and it's really cool to get a chance to hear his music um, a really phenomenal guitar player and highly underrated so we invite you to check out our website it's ironcityrocks.com we are on facebook instagram youtube and twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com we'd love to hear the feedback from all of you and invite those of you in the western pennsylvania area to check out ironcityrocks.com to vote for the 2017 pmas that's the pittsburgh music awards uh, categories for all your favorite western pa bands so check that out as well. And until next time, we thank you.